I feel like within our profession, we can't really let our emotions come into play. It's kind of more a plan A, plan B, plan C. You know, you've got to just keep it moving. Because if you get stressed, if you get emotional, it kind of hinders what you're supposed to do. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Martin a podcast show that pulls back the curtain on what a career in health and wellness is really like. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Martin. Hey everybody, welcome. Thanks for coming back. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. In this episode, we're going to meet with someone who works in a profession that's kind of very close to, to my heart, if you will, and similar to what I am doing. This profession, very hands-on, you meet a ton of different people in different healthcare professions. You have an immediate impact as well. Uh, something to also consider, however, is that this profession is not licensed in all 50 states, and we'll learn a little bit more why. And uh, so the person I'm going to talk to is Miss Sally Huang. She is a CAA, a certified anesthesiologist assistant. Uh, and we're going to learn what they do and how it's a little different than other professions in the anesthesia world. And I think you're really going to have a fun time listening to it. Not only is she very revealing in what this profession is all about, but the stories are also very um, engaging and, and it's pretty awesome how she really tries to impact people's lives. So, uh, And it's also it's a great work-life balance too if you're interested in learning a little bit about that. So let's keep listening to this. But before I do, please, if you enjoy this episode or other episodes and you like it or love it, smash that like button on your podcast app. That'd be very helpful. Uh, even better, write a great comment that will hopefully encourage other people to keep listening or start listening to this podcast. So appreciate your support. Love that you're here. Uh, let's dive into this. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are going to meet Sally Huang. Hi, Sally. Hey, Richard. Thank you for having me today. Oh, my pleasure. Um, Sally, why don't you give everybody a quick bio about what you are doing? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so my name is Sally, and I'm a certified anesthesiologist assistant working in Atlanta, Georgia. So my undergraduate degree was in exercise and sports science at the University of Georgia. And after that, I worked as a medical assistant for an orthosurgeon for a period of time. But I became interested in anesthesia and got my master's from the Emory University program. And I've been working at an academic hospital for about three and a half years now. Awesome. I actually first was introduced to you by your Instagram. I saw your Instagram. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. So we'll talk about that later on. All right. Sounds good. Let's go some, through some quick questions. As an anesthesiology assistant, what do you do to help people? Well, we um, work along with the anesthesiologist in a care team model, and we take care of them as far as getting them pain control, you know, keeping them stable throughout the surgery. Whatever the surgeon needs to get the operation done, we make the patient comfortable enough to endure that. Got it. And what are the usual steps to achieve your degree? Usual steps, typically, um, they require, you know, all your pre-medical courses, biology, chemistry, so mm -hmm. but pretty much you can have any type of bachelor's degree and apply to the program as long as you have those certain classes taken. 
you can either take the GRE or the MCAT, get some shadowing hours, and then you just apply. And then it's a master's program to become an AA? Yes, it's a master's program, correct. And how many years is that? It's a 27-month program. Some programs are a little shorter than that. They're, they run about 25 to 27 months, typically. Got it. Okay. What is the best part of your career? Um, I love, love, love my work-life balance. My schedule is so flexible, and um, that's that's like the greatest part about the profession, I think. <laughs> and what's your least favorite part of your career? Least favorite? I'll get into this a little more, but it's it's suctioning. <laughs> a lot of secretions. <laughs> we are okay. in there. So, so that's probably the grimiest part that they don't tell you about <laughs> up front. Got it. What are three highlights of your profession that people should know about an anesthesiologist? assistant? Um, it's very hands-on. You are literally doing things with your hands every single day and okay. very uh, interactive with patients. So that's number one. Number two, very important as well. Um, we can't work in all, all 50 states. It's it's only about 17. So if you're interested, take a look at those 17 states and be sure that you're okay with staying there. Thirdly, you just meet so many people, Richard. I mean, you're in the hospital, you meet nurses, surgeons, patients from all around the world. It's it's different every day and you meet different people all the time. It's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. Well, that's partly also I would say, even me as an anesthesiologist, I got to meet so many people that allowed me to to get the podcast going very early on because mm-hmm. of all the people I've been able to meet in different divisions and departments. So to definitely concur with that that uh, last sentiment. All right. So that's awesome. So it gives, hopefully it gives somebody a nice overview of what an AA or anesthesiologist assistant does. Yeah. Sari, let's dive a little bit deeper. What is your typical day like start to finish? And now I know every day is a little different, Yes. but in general, what's a typical day like for you? Okay. So in general, it would be probably most people will work a 12 hour shift and that's pretty common. So you wake up, depending on how far you live away from the hospital, you have to be there at 6.30 in the morning. Some people, you know, come at 6 o'clock, depending on how big their case is, and they have to Mm -hmm. set up. Um, So you arrive, change into scrubs, set up your room. And that's a a big, big component of the profession. We have to make sure that we have everything ready as far as drugs, airway setup, IVs, fluids, um, all of that. So that you're ready for whenever the case starts. Yeah. Some cases are more involved than others. So you need, you know, sometimes you need a central line. Sometimes you need an A line. You just have to be prepared. Sally, what's the central line and A line? Just so for some people don't know that terminology. Gotcha. Um, A line is arterial venous and it's, it measures beat to beat pressure. So instead of having a non-invasive blood pressure measurement, like a blood pressure cuff, yeah. It's arterial, so it just goes right in your, your radial artery, right? Here. Yeah. And it gives you instantaneous blood pressure reading. The central line, it's just a large bore um, venous access, usually typically right here. And then um, you can go subclavian too if you want, but it's usually for if you're anticipating large blood loss, um, you need to get products in fast, and we use that for that. Oh, I'm sorry. So you were saying you're. Oh, yes. t- Typical day, typical day. different, different uh, access for different procedures. Mm-hmm. So after your room is all set up and you have everything ready, you uh, go meet the patient. You interview them. <laughs> Make sure they are 
what the chart says. Sometimes you find out things that aren't written in the chart. Um, so you just double cross check everything and you get some lines started. Uh, some patients, you know, you can just do one IV and get them off to sleep. Other patients, you need a pre-induction A-line. So it varies, but you use that IV to, to get the patient to sleep. And that's the start of everything. So after you, you administer the anesthesia, mm-hmm. what happens afterwards? What's your end of the day like? When do you leave? That kind of things. Okay. You know, yeah. what happens if you're in a middle case, but your 12-hour shift is, is done? Those gotcha. kind of things. Yeah, yeah, sure. So once you get the case started, you're, you're in there. And then when the case finishes, you wake the patient up and you kind of just repeat the same thing with yep. whatever is scheduled in your room. So if you have a long 16-hour case and your shift is up at 7 p.m., another anesthetist will come in. You give report to them, and they will take over. So yeah. you kind of just, you know, give report and then leave, and your, your day is done. You don't really have to have to go home and chart or do anything like that. You kind of just go home and forget. Um, Got of it. course, you know, the next day you'll check up and be like, hey, how, how did that patient do last night? Um, right. But it's, it's nothing like uh, other professions where you bring your work home. Uh, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Um, what else? And if if you have a room with five to six cases, you're going to be in there doing those cases until mm-hmm. you know your shift is done. So it's it's a hit or miss. You can be in a room with one, or you can be in a room with you know more than that. In the last few years, what has been a uh, a moment or a case that you maybe took care of or a situation that kind of left an impression upon you? whether it's um, something positive or even negative? Um, I would say probably the biggest case that I've done was a triple A. It's an aneurysm, and vascular surgery has to go in, and they have to either remove that portion or just repair it or, you know, mm-hmm. do something so that the artery or the aneurysm doesn't uh, rupture. Yeah. Yes, um, but artery her aneurysm did rupture and oh. ended up giving so many blood products. And there was just so many people in the room, anesthesia, nurses. We were just checking blood, holding blood, pushing it through the Belmont. And this mm. was like, it went on for, I'd say, two, three hours into the night. So I, I just, after it's one in the morning and I was just like, wow, this teamwork is amazing. <laughs> And I don't think I would have been able to do it with, you know, just me and the attending. Like, yeah. no way could that have happened. And um, we got the patient out of there, transported to ICU. So, you know, it's it's kind of amazing um, what the things we can do when we work what together. Did it feel like, what did it feel like when you were doing that, like in the moment? Oh, what were, you, what were mean, you doing? How did it feel? It's just like a rush of adrenaline, you know, like you have someone watching the blood pressure, they're, they're pushing the drugs and then you, you're checking the blood. You have to like, you know, verify their name and MRI number as fast as you can to just, you know, keep it going and keep hanging. And once I was on like red, I was on unit probably 98. <laughs> I was like, seriously, oh, man, we're going to hit a hundred. We're yes. It was so many products. Over a hundred units of packed red blood cells, or at least uh, over a hundred units of some type of yes, of, Com- uh, combined um, FFP and yeah, all bags of, that. of some kind of blood product. Yes, we we emptied out blood bank. <laughs> wow, we emptied them out. It was ridiculous. 
So how, how did it feel though? You're over there, you're doing that gratifying. Well, I don't know. It's, I don't think gratifying is the word. It's, it's more of, this is my job. This is what we have to do to keep this patient alive. It was more yeah. of a boom, 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 boom. I, I don't know. I feel like within our profession, we can't really let our emotions come into play. It's kind of more a plan A, plan B, plan C. You know, you've got to just keep it moving. Because if you get stressed, if you get emotional, it kind of hinders, you know, what what you're supposed to do. A question I think people have is, how did the patient do? Yeah, patient, um, you know, unfortunately... I think later on, maybe a week later, the patient, you know, didn't make it. Expired. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, but I, you know, for for us, it's we close the patient up and then we get them to ICU, and then that's what we did. The patient yeah. didn't yeah. pass on the table. So. You're able to get the patient successfully through the procedure. Correct. Correct. Got it. Got it. Well, that's that's a great story. Thanks for sharing, Sally. Because <laughs> yeah. um, that's some of the dramatic parts where you really have, as an anesthesiology related person, you know, you are really having a profound impact on keeping that patient not only you know safe and alive, but hopefully you know su- successfully get them through that too mm-hmm. with the middle side minimal side effects. What are some of the misconceptions people have about your profession? Uh, misconceptions, I guess. To start off is is with the the title of our profession, anesthesiologist okay. assistant. A lot of people think we just you know do paperwork. We just assist like a administrative assistant sort of, uh-huh. and it's completely opposite of that. We are hands on, you know, direct patient care. Um, we do patient IVs. We intubate the patient. We administer drugs. Like we're in there. <laughs> And it's, it. it's it's actually the least bit of paperwork. We electronic chart and just sign our name, finalize, and that's that's really it. There's no other paperwork to go with it. Mm-hmm. With yeah. electronic charting, it's capturing the data, uh, the vital signs of the patient automatically, so you don't have to do that anymore. Correct, correct. Um, right. There are a couple of locations, like off-site locations at my mm-hmm. hospital, where um, that system isn't in place, so we do have to check off the vitals and blood pressure um, every five minutes on paper. But for the most part, I think a lot of hospitals are on the electronic medical record. You mentioned the least favorite part of your job is suctioning. Why oh is that, and why do you got to do that? What's so bad about it? Come on. <laughs> it's better than collecting poop, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we don't do that. We don't do poop, but we do a lot of secretions and gastric content um so okay so i'll I'll, t- I'll tell what everyone um when we extubating a patient we have to suction and that's like you take a yank hour like in the dentist and then you you know suction out yep. your mouth a suction tube yep suction tube and some patients are a lot juicier than others and some patients you know they just produce a lot and it comes out their nose their mouth it's just very juicy, and you got to try and keep it as clean as possible. You know, you don't want to get it on yourself, so you're gloved up. But then other patients, it's just, you just have to be uh, used to it. <laughs> do not like it, huh? All right, yeah. got it. And how would you describe your work-life balance? I know you mentioned it uh, briefly uh, uh, in the past about you have a good work-life balance because it's, it's shift work, and you have some control over the shifts. So what can you describe a little bit about the work-life balance for you? For me, um, 
Well, when I first started, I wanted to work a lot, a lot. I would pick up extra every single day wherever I could. So my, my main shift, my core shift was two 12 hours and then two eight hours. That's four days a week. And I would always pick up extra on the fifth day. Got it. Um, now it's been able to work out where I can do one 24 hour shift on Sunday and then a 16 hour shift any day during the week. So I only work two days a week and that just gives me more time to do, you know, my other, other things that I'm interested in, um, outside of anesthesia. Got it. And it's, uh, it's been amazing. Got it. Yeah. My hospital is just very flexible with the schedule. Some people will work four 10 hour shifts and then call it a day. Others will work five, eight hour shifts. Your typical, you know, seven and three, eight hour yeah. shifts. Yeah. So it's just, it's very flexible. What is the approximate salary range for an anesthesiology assistant? Maybe even just starting. Um, so that will depend on the state you are in. But I will mm. say on average of all the states combined, it's probably maybe 130 to 190. That's starting? Starting, yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think that's very important, useful information, especially for a career that a lot of people don't know about. All right, let's talk about the outlook of the profession, if you don't mind. What do you think the future outlook is like for your profession? Recently, just maybe two weeks ago, Kansas became a state that is a delegatory um, for AAs. So that is a, a huge win. What does that mean? That means delegatory. delegatory. So it means that it is up to the hospitals to decide if they acknowledge certified anesthesiologist assistance or not. So it's not up to the state. The hospitals can decide if they want to hire us and um, okay. allow us to practice. Okay. So are there... Kansas is like that, and then Texas uh -huh. is like that as well. I see. And what are the other states like? The other states are um, like Georgia, for instance. We are, you know, acknowledged by the state, so we can work anywhere. Um, it's not up to the hospital. Got it. So I think it's important for people to realize that there's only, what, 17 states you said yes, that correct. technically acknowledge your profession to say you are allowed legally to practice in that role in this particular state. Do you see those number of states growing or is it kind of slowed down a little bit? It's definitely slowed down a little bit. I think Indiana was the last state that opened up officially and it's been about, you know, I'm coming up, up on my fourth year of practice and other than Kansas being a delegatory state, there hasn't been any other new ones okay. that have uh, opened up. Okay. It's, it's very political and it's about money and it's about lobbying. Um, so it's, it's a slow process. Understood. And I think when I checked out one of your Instagram posts, you actually highlighted visually which states allow AAs to practice in which states don't. And so we'll talk about that later on on your Instagram, but okay, I think yeah. that's very good to visualize that aspect. So people who are interested in this can better understand where they could potentially work or can't, at least yes. currently. Okay. What is the difference between an AA, a CRNA and a, an anesthesiologist or somebody else that works in anesthesia? So I'll do um, anesthesia, anesthesiologist versus CAA. So anesthesiologists, they go through medical school and then a three-year residency um, in anesthesia, and they become the anesthesiologist, MD. 
and they overlook or supervise the CAAs. So instead of them being in a room the whole time during a case, we are in the rooms for them and they will supervise. It's a one to four ratio. So four rooms max and they'll oversee four anesthetists in the room and kind of just pop in and out during the important parts of the procedure. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. How would you contrast that with a CRNA? Is it much different uh, in Georgia? No, um, CRNAs in Georgia, um, compared to us, we're, we pretty much do the same thing. It's really the, the route of how they became and got that degree that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Got um, it. So as far as job title and job description in Georgia, it's the same. Got it. In terms of your role that you have versus a CRNA or, or an AA, because I think it's important. Um, you know, I have a podcast episode with Heather Angus, in 2020, I think is when it came out, and she's a CRNA. And so, if anybody wants to listen on that, obviously they can kind of compare and contrast. But that's that's a nurse who becomes an anesthesia provider. Yes, um, correct. So that's a different route to kind of do similar roles. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of students do you think best flourish in this career, Sally? Oh, I think students who love multitasking, love doing things with their hands and getting dirty, yeah. um, and and students who no, don't mind stress. They would love anesthesia, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love stress. Let me sign you up. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So let's shift gears now. Just a little bit about you. Well, when did being a CAA, a certified anesthesiologist assistant, come on your radar? When did that happen? Um, it, it happened pretty late in my undergraduate um, journey. I, I will say, so I majored in exercise sports science. My dream okay. was to become a orthopedic surgeon. Oh, I, okay. I, I did the whole pre-medical route, took all my classes, took the MCAT and ended up working as a medical assistant for an ortho surgeon. During was, college? During college. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, during my summer months, I graduated a semester early. So that six month period, I worked for the ortho surgeon. Okay. And, um, you know, I did all his castings and x-rays and sat in on his procedures and saw that that wasn't the life I wanted. <laughs> oh. But but in his So it's surgery, great that you did that shadowing then. Oh, yeah, That's absolutely. Really I, I saw, you know, what life could be and, you know, the type of patient care that was involved in orthopedics yeah. was, was not for me. It was very, very long process before you could see the results of a patient. Say a patient like broke their leg, they had to come in, you know, get surgery if they needed, casted for six to eight weeks, and then physical therapy for, you know, three months afterwards. And then they would be, you know, maybe 80 back 90%, not even 100%. It's it's a long process. Whereas anesthesia, it's instant. I mean, you can have a drug in it. You can see it work in five, 10 seconds. Immediate impact. Yes. But in his surgical center, he employed an anesthesiologist and I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is so cool. He said, you know, this is anesthesia. You should look into it. Hey, check out the CAA program. This is, you know, this is pretty cool and neat. And I said, okay, yes, <laughs> perfect. Because I was right. It was right before I was applying for medical school. And ah. I kind of, I kind of just Googled it really quickly. Emory's AA program. And I had everything that they needed. And I kind of just submitted, and and I got an interview two weeks later. I 
Wow. I don't, I don't know. It's just the timing of it was just perfect. Wow. And I just felt like, well, this was meant to be. <laughs> All right. So were you considering any other careers where you think about, okay, good, maybe going to medical school and being an anesthesiologist or CRNA or even other professions? Yes. Yeah, so I um, definitely knew anesthesia was for me because I like that instant gratification and yeah. there wasn't anything else that could compare. But as far as going to medical school and then becoming an anesthesiologist, I didn't want to, I, I don't want to say waste, but go through all the different rotations and different specialties that they make you do um, yeah. during schooling. I just wanted to do anesthesia right off the bat, you know? Yep. And, yep. and that was what AA school provided me with, just a, a direct route to anesthesia. With medical school, you know, you had to match in residency too that's like mm-hmm. another factor that you know an unknown that you weren't sure was going to happen or not so that's it. why i um decided to go the a route all right that's fantastic um and you know um i definitely wasted my time when going through medical school <laughs> <laughs> just kidding just kidding no i didn't but um uh, that i think what you said is, is very important sally that what we do also has a very immediate and impact on patients and and we see results very quickly mm-hmm. you know in what we do as anesthesia personnel all right reflecting back would you have done anything differently mm. i you know it's it's hard to say so i was born in california los angeles and all my family's over there aunts uncles cousins and i would love to go back you know and live there and work there but unfortunately i, I can't it's not one of the states that CAs can practice in. So um, with that, I do kind of feel a little limitation, yeah. but but my parents are here in Georgia and, you know, that's, that's really what's most important to me. So I'm, I'm okay with it. That's okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's fantastic. You have a great overview about your career and I love the stories. I'd like to go into these fun rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Sure. sure absolutely. All right, here we go. Favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, cookies and cream. Uh, what is your favorite vegetable? Vegetable? I love broccoli. <laughs> okay. What? That's a good choice. Very nutritious. Yeah, it's uh, a, green's my favorite color. So there's, oh, a, there's, a, okay. there's a lot of vegetables that are green. <laughs> awesome. What kinds of musical instruments have you learned to play? My mom had me take piano lessons since I was eight. So piano. I also did cello in middle school. And I do a little bit of guitar, just like self-learning guitar. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Fantastic. If you had to live in a different state, where would it be? California. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think I knew that answer. (laughs) Um, If you could choose your own nickname, what would it be? Um, My own nickname? I don't don't know. A lot of people call me Sal. Salamander. I don't Sally Wally. Salamander? Sal- Silly Sally. Just, you know, whatever rhymes with Sally. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, and finally, if you could change something about yourself, what would it be? I would love to be just a little bit taller. <laughs> Maybe like 5'8", five 5'10", five that's a good height. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, how tall are you now? I'm 5'3". Okay. Wow. Yeah. You, you want to add a few more inches there. Oh, yeah. That's just like one or two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing uh, and answering those quick rapid fire questions. If people want to learn more about you and what you're doing, where can people do that? 
Um, they can follow me on Instagram. My handle is Anesthesia Sal, S-A-L. And um, I, I post regularly on there, on the stories and um, on the, the actual post every day. And then otherwise, they can check me out on YouTube. And that's a little more detailed oh. on um, what my day is like. I'll record oh, okay. like, snippets here and there and just put them all together. And you can see what my day is like um, as a AA. Because I know now shadowing is very hard to come by due to yeah, COVID. Yeah. So check out the videos on YouTube. Yeah. It's, it's the okay. same anesthesia style. And it'll pop up. So you're on Instagram and YouTube. That's where you're posting right now. Yes. Yes. Correct. Um, there, okay. There's also a discord group that I'm a part of and I partner with, and we have about um, a thousand members in there right now. Uh, students, current CAAs, prospective students, and you can ask anything and we'll get a reply pretty quickly. Um, it's a, it's a pretty great community. So what's that- your discord group called? Um, CAA. I don't know anything about Discord. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's like a, a Reddit, but um, okay. but the the app is Discord. Um, the link is on my Instagram, so if you there's a little link tree and you can get to it there. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's very resourceful. I think law students could benefit from that if they want to learn more. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. When I was applying to the program, I mean, it was very hush hush like there's not a lot of mm. content out there for caas so i was like reading through forms from six years ago you know trying to find out <laughs> all that i could about the program so yeah. so the discord group is, is really good it's up to date so check it out well i really think what you're providing in this episode is also going to be very very helpful so i i think it's great that you were able to come here come on here and be a guest so thank you sally for doing mm-hmm. that thank really you. appreciate it All right, everybody, that's our show today. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about today's guests or other past guests, just check out my website, healthcareerswithdrmarn.com or hcwithdrmarn.com. Of course, if you like what you heard on this podcast, then please go to my website, add your name and email to my email list. That way you can get the latest announcements and news as they arise. You can also find me on Instagram at drrichardmarn. That's Dr. Richard Marn. Thank you so much for listening and catch you on the next episode.